0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez, and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemu.org/connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Rick. Hey, everybody. How are you? Hey, I want to set things up by sharing this with you. When, um, When my two daughters, Natalie and Rebecca, were little girls, there was this children's program on TV that they loved to watch, and I loved to watch it with them. Now, get it. It was a PBS program, you know, educational public TV, and the target audience was little children. But check this out, even though the host aimed his message at these little children, he always had a behind-the-back message, as it were, for any grown-ups who may have been watching And I just like that. Now, the program always began, if you've ever seen it, it always began the same way. The host of the program would come home from work, as it were, and the set was set up like his house, like his home. He would come in, take off his suit jacket, and put on a cardigan like this. He would remove his dress shoes, and then he would put on sneakers, and then, and then, he would lead all the little children in this tune. It's a beautiful day in the... Sing it with me. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood... Won't you be mine, won't you be mine, won't you be my neighbor? neighbor. Yeah, his name was Fred Rogers, and the name of his program was Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, yeah. And folks, if you never saw this program, let me tell you, Mr. Rogers was a rock star to the little children and to some of us parents. But what I love about Mr. Rogers was that he taught children how to be a neighbor. Now, don't get me wrong. He also taught them other valuable lessons like how to handle a death in a family, how to handle a divorce with mom and dad. And he would always tell the little children, it's okay. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to go through something like that. But most of all, most of all, he taught the little children and us who were watching how to be a neighbor. And with Mr. Rogers, being a neighbor was very simple. In fact, he simplified being a neighbor down to one word, and that one word was love. Love. Mr. Rogers said, love is at the root of everything, all learning, all relationships, love, or the lack of it. By the way, a movie has come out about Mr. Rogers. Did you know that? A movie has come out about him. And I want you to take a look at the trailer. And that'll come back. Take a look. A television program for children made its unauspicious debut on station WQED in Pittsburgh. Its host, Fred Rogers. Mr. Rogers? Yeah. I want to tell you something. What would you like to do? I like you. I like you, my dear. Thank you very much for telling me that. You take all of the elements that make good television and do the exact opposite. You have Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Low production values, simple set, unlikely star. Yet, it worked. Hello. I've always felt that I didn't need to put on a funny hat or jump through the hoop to have a relationship with a child. He was always trying to get a message across in every show. A week on death. What does assassination mean? On divorce. Some people get married, and after a while, they're so unhappy that they don't want to be married anymore. He was radical. I know everyone says that, but he was radical. They didn't want black people to come and swim in their swimming pools. My being on the program was a statement for Fred. He had a singular vision of kindness and love. Love is at the root of everything, all learning, all relationships love or the lack of it children have very deep feelings just the way everybody does there must be times when you do feel blue I'm not feeling blue right now though neither. <laughs> won't you be my neighbor well I suppose it's an invitation It's an invitation for somebody to be close to you. The greatest thing that we can do is to help somebody know that they're loved and capable of loving. Won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? How many of you saw Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Let me see your hand. Yeah. Yeah, some of you have a lot of memories about that. But let me tell you, I I need to tell you something about Mr. Rogers. Everything he taught the children, he actually got it from somebody else. You see, before he became the host of that program, Mr. Rogers was a pastor of a church. And all that he taught these children, he got from God. God. And Mr. Rogers projected to these children the love of God, the mercy of God, and the compassion of God, and he taught them, and he taught us in a simplified way. Everybody say simplified. Yeah, he taught us in a simplified way how to be a neighbor. Now, folks, let me turn a corner and bring all of that over to this series that we've entitled Simplified. Because what an image of our God and his teachings. In fact, the whole concept of neighbor and being a neighbor originated with our creator. It originated with our God. He's the author of neighbor and being a neighbor. And so here's my proposition for all of us who are Christians. Here's here's a simple proposition that I want you to go out the door with today. Here it is. God wants you and me to love our neighbor. So simple. God wants you to love your neighbor. In fact, folks, second only to loving God himself, all God really wants you to do after that is love your neighbor. Love people, namely, love your neighbor. But that raises a question, doesn't it? Who is your neighbor? And how in the world would you go about showing love to your neighbor? Those are fair questions. And we're going to find out the answer because in the text that we're going to look at today from Matthew 22 and Luke chapter 10, Jesus answers those two questions. Who is your neighbor and how would you show love to your neighbor? So that's the outline today. In fact, how many of you have your listening guide at all of our campuses? Wave those in the air. Yeah, we're going to answer two questions. So it's not two thoughts today, it's two questions. So if you're filling in the blanks, and I hope you will because this is important, this is the second greatest commandment. So if you're filling in the blanks, number one, here's the question Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? So with that in mind, let's pick up the narrative beginning, if you will, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. If you don't have a Bible, don't sweat it. It'll all come up on the screen, and you can track along that way. Let's pick up the narrative, verse 37. This is kind of where we left off last weekend. Here we go. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your Mine. Yeah, this is the first and the greatest. greatest commandment. But watch the next verse. And the second is like it. Watch this. Love who? Love your neighbor as yourself. Watch the next verse. All the law. Everybody say all the law. All, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everybody stop right there, let me give us a quick review from last time. Because that phrase, all the law and all the prophets, was simply a way in Jesus' day of saying all the Bible, specifically all the Old Testament. And so Jesus gathers together, as it were, all the Bible, with all of its commands, with all of its demands with all that God wants from you in this book. And he simplifies it down to two commandments. And he says, what God wants you to do with your life is simply this. Love God and love people. Love God and love people, specifically your neighbor. Now, folks, don't miss what Jesus just did there. Jesus just took the entire Bible... The massive Bible and simplified it down to two commandments. He took this entire Bible with all of its books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way to the book of Revelation, with all of its chapters, with all of its verses, with all of its words, with all of its doctrines, with all of its theologies, with all of its history, with all of its commands, with all of its expectations, Jesus reduces all of that down and simplifies it to this equation, love God and people. Love God, whole Bible, and people. It's like, it's, like, it's like Einstein simplifying the physics of energy down to E equals MC squared. It's like, it's, like Einstein, so you, it's like Einstein was saying, you see all of this complexity? It's simply E equals MC squared. Energy is mass times the speed of light squared. It's that simple. That's what Jesus does with the Bible. He takes all of the complexity of it, all the doctrine and the theology, and he says, let me reduce it down to E equals MC squared. Love God and people. Love God and people. That's your assignment in life from God. Love Him and love people. Now, last time we looked at the command to love God, and today we're going to take up the second command, love people. Love people. Love your neighbor specifically. Now, with that in mind, I want you to watch the follow-up question that's asked from the crowd when Jesus brings up this whole concept of neighbor. Now, this is from Luke's gospel. So we're moving over to Luke. Same scene, but Luke tells us more of what happened in that scene. Verse 27. He answered, love the Lord your God, same thing. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 29, so he, that is somebody in the crowd, ask Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Again, that's a fair question. Now, stop there, because the word neighbor there is a translation of the Greek word placeon. And I always tell you, your, your Bible's originally written in Greek and then translated to English, Spanish, French, whatever. That word neighbor is placeon" in the Greek. And here's what it means. Ready for this? It means every other person. Every other person. So, folks, who's your neighbor? <laughs> yeah, in fact, write it down. Your neighbor is every person you see. Now, I want you to put your thinking caps on. Because every person you see is a human being. You're like, duh, Rick, we all know that. Yeah, but here's what you need to remember. Every person you see matters to God. In fact, you have never come eyeball to eyeball with any person, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, laying on the side of the street, you have never looked into the face, into the eyes of any person who did not matter deeply to God. And folks, here's why. Every person you see has been created by God and in the image of God, in the likeness of God. That means every person you see, there, there, there is something of God in that person. It's his likeness. It's his image. It's the impress of God's majesty has been passed on to every human being. In fact, did you know God said of all people, he said, you're all gods. Jesus reiterated the same thing. He said, God said, you're all gods with a little g. Why? Because the likeness of God has been passed into you, the impress of his majesty. So turn to your neighbor and say, you're a little God. (laughs) Turn to your neighbor and say, you're like God. (laughs) Now, Folks, I want you to just track with me because I want you to understand how special every person is. Up, down, in, out. Do you realize every person you see has a brain? Every one of them. And that brain in their their head is the most complex mass in the universe. Nothing rivals it. Nothing. And every person you see has one of those. Think about this. Every person you see has sophisticated anatomical and biological systems all put perfectly within them. Every person you see has a sophisticated skeletal system. Every person you see has a sophisticated cardiovascular system every person has a digestive system a reproductive system a neurological system a dermatological system a computer system an immune system and all of that has been designed and built by God himself so that every person you see is a walking living breathing spectacular miracle of God Almighty And God says every one of them is your neighbor. Is your neighbor. I want you to think about it. You have neighbors who live in your neighborhood. And that's what we're going to focus on today. By that I mean they live next door to you. They live across the street from you. They're, They're the neighbors in your neighborhood. But you also have neighbors who live outside of your neighborhood. You have neighbors you... You see in the traffic, you see at the mall, you see at the office, you see at school, you see begging on the side of the road. Every one of them are your neighbor, and they matter to God. They're your neighbor whether they're rich or poor, educated or uneducated, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Native American, tall, short, Big, little, blue eyes, brown eyes, green eyes, brown hair, black hair, red hair, no hair. (laughs) By the way, isn't it amazing? All of that that I just described, we call it diversity, is actually the creativity of our creator. You see, God didn't make one of us and then Xerox exact copies so that we're all alike. Do you realize nobody in here looks like the other person? You talk about, how does God take a nose, eyes, face, and none of our faces look exactly alike? Not a one of them. But, you know, people have a way of taking what God meant for his glory and dividing people. It's crazy. And I'm not going there with that. But I'm just saying it doesn't matter who they are or what they look like. What matters is every one of them matters deeply to God. And God says, every one of them is your neighbor. And so, folks, here's the command to God's people. Write this down as B. God commands us, love your neighbor. Now, everybody heads up. Because second only to loving God himself, all God really wants you to do after that is to love your neighbor. That's it. <laughs> Two big commands, love him and love your neighbor. And by the way, God wants you to love your neighbor with your heart, (laughs) just like you love him with your heart. Remember we said last time, your heart, when the Greeks spoke of that in Jesus' day, they weren't talking about the pump, they were talking about that intangible dimension of your person that can feel love for somebody. That's your heart. In fact, we say to this day, I love you with all my Heart, yeah, I I I feel love for you is what that means. So, so with that in mind, just like that, write this down as little one and number two. God wants you to feel love for your neighbor. You see, one reason we don't show love to our neighbor is we just don't feel love for them. Let me tell you, you will always be hard pressed to show love to somebody that you don't feel a certain amount of love for? And you might be saying, well, Rick, I can't make myself feel love for my neighbor. You know, how can I gin up the feelings of love for somebody? Listen, it's simple. Write this down as number two, a little review from last time. Don't forget God's love for you. You see, as a believer, God says this. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. David said, Lord, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. God, before I go out there to face the day, Lord, satisfy my heart with your unfailing love. <laughs> and you see, you'll remember, we said this last time. When you fill your mind with God's love for you, you just start filling your mind with his love, his protection, his mercy, his forgiveness, his kindness. When you fill your mind with love for his, his love for you, what happens is that starts to fill your heart with love for him. And you don't have to gin it up. It's intuitive. As you fill your mind with God, your mercy, your kindness, your forgiveness, your, God, of course I feel love for you. Nobody has to say, come on, love God. It's, it's just, it's axiomatic, it's self-evident. You're, gonna, you're just going to feel that love for him. But look, there's also a secondary effect. When you fill your mind with God's love for you, it'll start to fill your heart with love for people. And you'll start to feel love and compassion for your neighbors and for the people Around You see, one of the reasons, listen, one of the reasons we don't feel love for people is we're not feeling God's love for us. Before you go out there and try to show love to people and feel love for people, you first need to breathe in God's love for you so that you have the energy energy, and you have the compassion to pass his love along to others. Let me give you an illustration of this. You know, anytime you go on a flight... The stewardess, he or she, will always say, in case the cabin loses pressure, if that happens, an oxygen mask will drop from the ceiling. Then he or she will say, place the strap around your neck and breathe in. And if your neighbor needs assistance, put your mask on first and then help your neighbor, right? I used to always think, no, 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 that's wrong. I'm going to help them first. But you see, here's what you have to remember. If in the process of me trying to get the mask on them, I'm not getting any air, and I start losing consciousness, and I'm trying to get the mask on them, and and I lose consciousness, neither one of us is helped. Neither one of us is saved. Folks, what an image of you and me trying to go out and show God's love to people without first taking a a time in the morning and being still and breathing in his love for you. You will be hard-pressed to show love to people through the day if you don't first breathe in God's love. You want to know why some of you get out on 95 and start yelling at those people and, (laughs) you know, want to kill them? It's because not only are they depleted of God's love, you're depleted of God's love. Listen, if you're going to love your neighbor, you first got to feel God's love for you. Be still in the morning. Take time in the morning. Open the word of God and read of his unfailing love, his everlasting love for you. And then you'll be able to love your neighbor. But we're left now with the second question, right? So right, this is number two. How do I do that? How do I love my neighbor? Well, listen, Jesus doesn't miss a beat on this. (laughs) Because as soon as this guy in the crowd says, who is my neighbor, Jesus launches into a parable. You know what a parable is? It's It's a story. And so he starts to tell this story. And as he tells the story to us, he not only tells us who our neighbor is, But at the same time, he tells us how to show love to them. And that begins with, write this down as A, see a person. See a person. In other words, words, when you look at your neighbor, make sure you're seeing them as a person. Let me show you what I mean. Let's look at the story, the parable. In reply, Jesus just jumps right into this story, (laughs) And he starts telling these stories. Jesus said, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now picture it. The, the man in this story is likely a Jewish man. And he's on a journey from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And along the way, he gets beat up. By the way, um, we don't know where, why he was going to Jericho. He may have been going to a business trip. He may be going on on just relationship, relational journey. But the guy is not, this is not a poor man. I mean, for all we know, he may have been driving a, a, a Mercedes donkey, you know, a, a Cadillac camel. We don't know. But he, this was not a poor guy. This is just a guy who got beat up and is pathetically left on the side of the road. Does that make sense? Get it? All right, good. Let's, let's follow on with the story. Verse 31. A, a what? A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, what did he do? He passed by on the other side. Now, folks, you can get kind a of picture of this. This is a priest. You know what priests do? They wear the robes. They got all the the religious garb on and the hat. And he's coming down the road, and he sees this man in distress, half dead on the side of the road. And here's what he does. He walks around him. He doesn't even stop. And if that's not bad bad enough, look at the next verse. So too, a what? A Levite, another religious guy. When he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Wow, this guy duplicates what the religious guy in front of him. Both of them see this man in distress and in need, and they look at him, and they both just keep going. Now, the question is, why did they do that? Why? Why? Well, we really don't know. The, the text doesn't tell us what their motive was. You know, it could have been as they're going by, they were just afraid of the situation, couldn't figure it out, and just thought, you know, I better keep on going. Or it could be, like, like a lot of us, they're going by and they're just thinking, I'm too busy, you know, I've got to be there. Too bad for that guy, you know, I've got to keep going. See, we don't, we don't know why they walked by this guy, but could I, could I tell you why I think they walked by Could I do that? Could I give you the Rick Blackwood version of this? Yeah. Here's why I think they walked by. I think they walked by because they saw a man, but they didn't see a person. They saw just a man lying on the side of the road, but they did not see a person created in the image of God. God. They didn't see a person that mattered and that was valuable to God. They didn't see a man. I mean, they didn't, they didn't see a person. They just saw a guy laying on the side of the road. Tell you what, hold that thought back to the, back to the story. The text says, but a uh, Samaritan. Everybody heads up because that is very racial right there. I mean, the conflict between Jew and Gentile racially was huge. But between a Jew and a Samaritan, this was big-time racial conflict. So if anybody's going to walk by this guy, we think the Samaritan's probably going to be the one. But watch what happens. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took what? pity, it's pity on him. Now, the word pity there, explicit in the Greek, it's spleknizomai, which literally means to to feel compassion. It means to feel compassion in your gut. In other words, this man is coming by, the Samaritan, and when he sees this man, he starts to feel something. And what he feels is compassion on this man who's half dead. He, He feels mercy and pitiful. And here's why. This is so important. Write this down as number one. Here's the difference. When you feel compassion for your neighbor, that means you see a person. That means you see a person. Transverse. When you don't feel anything for your neighbor, that means you're not seeing them as a person. You're not, if you don't feel anything for your next-door neighbor, you say, I just don't feel anything for, listen, that means you're not seeing them for the treasure that they are to God. That means you're not seeing them with the value that God ascribes to them. In fact, write this down as as number two, a little tongue twister here. We value the people that the people we value, value. Does that make any sense? Let me put it to you like this. God values your neighbor. If you value God, then you should value your neighbor. Does that make it better sense? Let me give you an illustration of it. When, when I was a little boy, 12 years old, I played baseball, Little League Baseball. And one year, we were in the city championship, Little Tail, Rock Hill, South Carolina. This was big at a Little Tail. The City Championship Little League, people are there. WRHI, the radio program station, is there under the lights at night. We always played in the day. And so, so we're sitting on the bench, and there's a crowd of people, and our coach comes up as we're getting ready for the game, and he says, the mayor of Rock Hill wants to come by and say hello to you guys. Wow. So the mayor comes by, and he goes, what's your name? Freddie Heckle. What's your name? Greg McGinnis. What's your name? Ricky Blackwood. What's your name? Jimmy Kaiser. Jimmy, are you Dr. Kaiser's son? Yeah. Oh, wow. Jimmy, your dad, your dad's my doctor. He's an amazing doctor. Jimmy, how's your game going? What's your batting average? How are you playing? He valued Jimmy because he valued Jimmy's dad. We value the people, the people we value, value. What I'm saying is God values your neighbor. Your neighbor is made in the image of God, and God values them deeply. And here's what God wants you to do. Write this down as B. He wants you to shine the light of his compassion to your neighbor. Folks, this is your mission. You want to know what God wants from you in life? He wants you to shine the light of his love to your neighbor. This is your mission. This is what he wants you to do. Look at verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Now, watch Jesus' question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law, that's the religious guy, said... The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do what? Likewise. Translation, go mimic what this guy did in the story. Follow his pattern. What was the pattern of this man? When this guy came by, he didn't go, It's just a man. There's a man laying there in the, in the street and just walk on by. This man saw. In that man laying on the side of the road, a person made in the image of God himself with the impress of God's mercy. And this man said, that man matters to God. I value God. I'm going to value that man. And he began to feel compassion and to show compassion for this man. Jesus said, do like that to your neighbor. Now, mind you, your neighbor may not have been beaten up and left on the side of of the road for dead, But I don't have to tell you, life has a way of beating us all up, doesn't it? It just does. You know, your neighbor may not get knifed, but they can get lifed by life. And I'm telling you, in the big cities where our campuses are, people suffer silently. Whole families suffer in isolation. And Jesus is saying to you and me, I want you to care about your neighbor. I want you to show love to your neighbor. Have compassion on them. Feel love for them. So how do we, how do we show love to our neighbor? I want to close by giving you three ways from this guy, okay? Three ways. So here's your kind of assignment for, for the week. You know, I always say, God doesn't want you to just be hearers of the Word. He wants you to be doers. doers of it. So let's do what Jesus is saying this guy. Do like him. Let's be doers of the Word. Here's what you do to be a neighbor. Number one. This is complicated, isn't it? Go. <laughs> To your neighbor, watch what this guy does, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He felt mercy in his heart, so he went to him. Folks, you want to start being a neighbor? Listen, be a neighbor to the neighbors. Let's just start with our neighborhood, right? Start with the guy, the family who lives on that side, that side of you across the street. Just start with them. Here's the assignment for this week. Go across the street. Knock on the door. Hi. You know, I don't think I've ever, you know, come over and introduce myself. My name's Rick. I'm your neighbor. And you know what? I'm kind of ashamed that I've not done this already. I just wanted to come and tell you, I'm Rick. I'm your neighbor. Hey, if you're ever out of town, let me know. I'll watch your house. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of, I'll watch for anything. You see, you see this is strange, but, but the people we, in our culture, the people we know the least are the people often who live right next door to us. We often know zero about them. And the reason for that is, here's what our lives look like. You come home from work, the garage door goes up. You go in the garage, it goes down. The next day, the garage go, door goes up, you come out. It goes down and off you go. That's all they ever see of you if they see you. Little wonder we don't know our neighbors. So what is your assignment this week? So simple. This is like baby steps. Walk across the street. (laughs) Knock on the door. Hey, I just wanted to come over and say, my name's Rick. You know, again, I've never come over to say hello. And I just wanted to come over. I'm your neighbor, here to help you. If anything I can do, let me know. Listen, if they reject that, that, you've done your part. You've done what God asked you to do. Secondly, show kindness to your neighbor. Show kindness to your neighbor. Watch what happens. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took what? Care of him. Translation He showed kindness to this person. Do you remember a few months back, uh, we were teaching on humility, being humble? you remember that song I played, a uh, country song? It was called Always Be Humble and Kind. How many of you remember that? How many of you hear that? Yeah. That, that message sort of zeroed in on the humble part of it. I want you to listen again, but this time think about the kind part. Now, this is a country song, but sometimes they, they say what we're all thinking. And so don't write me any hate letters, but take a listen to this song. I'll come back. Oh, there's a light that glows by the front door Don't forget the keys under the mat When childhood stars shine Always stay humble and kind Go to church cause your mama says to Visit grandpa every chance that you can Always stay humble and kind love that message. Listen, for those of us who live in Miami, we live in a city that is notoriously rude. Right? Voted the rudest city in America. This is a city that is notoriously unkind. But folks, I love that. Because that is darkness. Right? That is unkind darkness. And when light shines into darkness... It's like a floodlight. You know, if you go up to the Carolinas where I came from, everybody's kind up there. It's like it's no big deal. But here, because, because kindness is so rare, when you're kind to somebody, it's like, woof, floodlight. My daughter and her husband, three grandchildren, live in Cutler Bay, and they have a neighbor who epitomizes this kind of kindness. I only know him as Richard. But he just does random acts of kindness for Bobby, his neighbor. Bobby does random acts of him. Richard on the other side will just be mowing his lawn, you know, like this. And then he'll just go across his yard and keep going over to Bobby's. (laughs) and cut Bobby's grass. And Bobby works construction. He works late. Rebecca works. They have three kids. They're up against it. They come home and go, wow. Who did that? Their neighbor. See, that's the kind of kindness I'm talking about. Just random acts of kindness. Listen, go, go to Publix and buy, buy dinner for your neighbor. Go buy chicken and whatever, you know, they sell. Knock on the door and say, you know, I just wanted to bring you dinner tonight. I know you work hard. I just wanted to bring you dinner. Now, if they reject that, that's, that's up to them. Your part is to do what God called you to do. To show kindness to your neighbor. Finally, one more thing. What's that word? Smile. smile. at your neighbor. You know, in big cities like ours, people rarely smile, don't they? But a smile is so refreshing. You know, Rhonda will say to me, Rick, stop smiling at everybody. But I just smile intuitively, I don't know why, and I think part of it is because I know people need it. There's nothing that shines the light of God's love and disarms people any quicker than a smile. You want to disarm the guy who's mad at you in the car on 95? Smile at him, smile to your neighbor. You know, the other day I was, I was at Busy B Car Wash. How many of you know where Busy B is? Yes, yeah, some of you do. If you've ever gone through that car wash, when you come out of that car wash, you're almost instantly on US-1. There's almost nowhere to go. And so I pull out, and I'm going to turn onto US-1, and this guy comes, he stopped, and he rushes up and blocks me, and just looks at me like this. And so I lowered the window, and smile. he goes like this, he goes, and backs up, and and lets me in. You see, what I'm trying to get across to you is being a neighbor is not that hard. And it is the second highest calling that you have. Second only to loving God. And God gives us this story. Jesus gives us a story and says, Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. So I only give you one baby step today. By the way, by the way. If we became neighbors, you know, we sang that song at the right at the end. Lord, bring revival. Listen, if we became neighbors, it would bring revival. If we want to, if we want to change the heart of this city, we can do it one neighbor at a time by loving our neighbor by doing what Mr. Rogers said he got it from God. Won't you be? Won't you please be my what? My neighbor. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to start with your neighbor, right? Left side, across the street. And the doing part of this message is go across the street, go next door, knock on the door, and be a neighbor. Just say, hey, you know, it's going to feel awkward, especially if you've never done it. Pray about that. Say, God, help me to overcome the awkwardness. You don't know how they're going to respond. Your part is to be a neighbor. Knock on the door and say, hey, my name's Rick. I just wanted to come over. I'm kind of sorry I haven't already done this. My name is Rick. I just wanted to come over and say, you know, I wanted to get to know you. I want to be your neighbor. (laughs) Do I say it like that? It might sound too much for Mr. Rogers. (laughs) But, you know, I want to be a neighbor to you. (laughs) And um, if I can ever be of help to you, just let me know. Listen, I want you to take a moment. Again, the people we often know the least about live right next door. Sometimes we take that term neighbor and we say, oh, it's the missionaries. It's way over there. No, it's right there, right beside you. So I want you to take a moment, quietly. So there's not going to be a resolution, no song. We're just going straight into the doing part of this. Write down, you may say, I don't know their name, write down beside me across the street. You'll know who it is. And ask God to put that person on your heart. Would you do that for a moment? Just quietly sit there. Write that person down. Ask God to give you time to do this, to make time. See, Satan's going to say, just go around. Don't bother them. You don't need to get involved in that. Satan's going to say, you're too busy. You've got things, you've you got, you got to be somewhere. Clock's ticking. So you need to pray now. God, help me to make time to do this. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for your people. They are the light of our cities, globally, locally, our campuses. These are, these are lights who shine in darkness. God, everywhere they go, to work, to school, in the traffic, the mall, God, in some ways, they're the only light. God, I pray that they would shine brightly. That they would shine the light on every person they see with a smile, with random acts of kindness, by going to people. And Lord, may we be able to change the heart of this city by changing the hearts of our neighbor, one neighbor at a time. Lord, we pray this in your precious name sake if you want to take your next step as a believer we want to hear about it let us know at cfmemi.org connect and filling out a connection card we want to thank you so much for joining us we love you and god bless